Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in the Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you, and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining today. I am excited that we have a mindset topic. And on the show, I love to include both the stories we tell ourselves as well as the stories we tell others. And I was thrilled um, to have Nicole come to the show because confidence is her game. She is all about it through and through. And since this, my audience is primarily women business owners, and I myself have found myself stuck in this, I just can't wait to get into this topic because I feel like there's so much um, holding women back that they might not even realize. So I hope for everybody listening, you are pumped to see things that maybe you didn't even know were really issues for you and have some big breakthroughs. So let me tell you a little bit about Nicole Khalil. Nicole's passion for eliminating gender expectations and redefining women's work, woman's work, is both what keeps her up at night and what gets her up in the morning. Well, that an abundant amount of coffee. An in-demand speaker, leadership strategist, respected coach, and host of This Is Woman's Work podcast, her stalker-like obsession with confidence sets her apart from the constant stream of experts telling us to be confident. She actually tells you how to build it and gives actionable tips to become confident. A fugitive of the C-suite at a Fortune 100 company, she's coached hundreds of women in business, which has given her insight as to what structurally, systemically, and socially is and isn't serving women and leaders within an organization. Maintaining some semblance of sanity in her different roles of wife, mother, and business owner successfully is an ongoing challenge in whatever free time she has. She enjoys reading and wine guzzling, is an avid cheese enthusiast, a hotel snob, and a reluctant Peloton writer. I love it. Thank you so much for joining, Nicole. Thank you, Christy, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I just kind of want to dive right in. You know, confidence is such a such a big topic. It kind of spills into every area of life. And since it sounds like you've really devoted your business to this, I know you do so much work in this area. Where did this stem from for you? Like where personally have you felt like you struggled with confidence that, and is that what kind of set you on this course to, to really pursue this for women or, or how's that impacted you personally? Yeah. So one thing you said, I think is, is incredibly important is this really permeates every area of our life. And what I know from my research is 66% of women say they feel confident in one aspect of their life, but not in others. So 
If you're listening, mm-hmm. it's pretty common that you might feel like, oh, I feel really confident at work. Or I feel really confident in my relationship, or I feel really confident as a friend or whatever the case may be, but it doesn't necessarily go into all aspects of our lives. We also know a whopping 84% of the population struggles with low self-esteem at some point in their life. So it really does permeate into everything. To answer your question, as as uh, is the case for so many of us, my pain became my passion or my pain became my purpose. Um, I always looked the part of the confident, independent woman on the rise towards success. Um, prior to starting my own business, I was an executive at a Fortune 100 financial services company. I was one of the only women uh, in the C-suite. It was very common for me you know, to be the only woman at the table or the only woman in the room. And nobody would have ever guessed that I struggled with confidence. Hmm. Again, I looked the part, I checked the boxes, but internally I knew that was the furthest thing from confident. Uh, I had fears, I had doubts. Any successes I had, I was excited for about like three seconds before the doubt of whether or not I could do the next role or the fear or if somebody would find me out. Um, And so in recognizing that I both didn't have any confidence and didn't actually really know what confidence was and how you build it, it became a mission for me to figure that out for myself. And in doing that for myself, it became a much bigger mission to support women, to rediscover and uncover what confidence actually is, because I call this the confidence con. We've been lied to a lot about what confidence is and what it isn't, how we build it, what gets in the way of it. Um, And it can be very confusing. So yeah, I'm, I'm on a quest to make sure everybody knows what confidence is and then give people the tools uh, so that they can build it internally for themselves so that it does in fact permeate every area of your life. Why do you think women have such a struggle kind of across the board more so than men in this area? Yeah. So um, first, let me dispel the myth. We were not born with less confidence than our male counterparts. Uh, All the research and studies that I've looked into basically say women um, or young girls have about the same amount of confidence as young boys until about the age of eight. Hmm. And then we start noticing a difference. And what's really interesting is um, it's around in our 50s where we become we come back to the same place where we have about the same confidence as our male counterparts. And then in our sixties, we tend to have more confidence than our male counterparts. So it's, it's a really interesting thing to see that this is not a uh, thing we were born with less or, or born with or without. It is absolutely something that's happening in our um, preteens, teenage years, our working years, and doesn't really level out until we approach retirement, which is um, challenging. If you think about being a professional, starting a business, working with clients, being an entrepreneur, whatever the case may be, confidence is going to be really impactful and really helpful in all of those phases. So um, the reasons why, well, a lot of it is how we're socialized. Um, Women, young girls are told to be careful to be polite, to be nice, to be kind, um, 
not to get too messy, not to make too many mistakes, to be really helpful. Uh, and we are rewarded for those behaviors and discouraged away from behaviors that don't fall in. in. And if you're listening and you're like, well, I wasn't brought up that way, great. I'm speaking in generalities, um, but the reality is most women are, are, are being taught that. And then you add in things like the media, um, movies, television, social media, um, and we're constantly being told either directly or indirectly that our confidence is tied to how we look mm, yeah. and, and how people perceive us. And so we do spend a lot of time um, wanting to send the message of being confident, looking confident without actually becoming it. And inadvertently, we're doing things that ultimately chip away at and do damage to our confidence without knowing it because it, it we're so confused. Oh, so what do you think, uh, what do we do? What do we do with this? Because obviously it's like women are raising kids, they're working, they want to be plugged into society and those are definitely prime years. So since we've already had this, you know, been inundated by various realms of society, what do we what do we do now to kind of i guess i guess two things protect others who maybe we can influence who are still of that age where they're really being shaped and then kind of undo some of that damage to ourselves yeah um i think the answer is pretty similar for ourselves and for others i would encourage you listening uh, those of you that are listening to start with yourself um confidence is an internal thing. It can be demonstrated externally. People can perceive it, but confidence is, is most definitely an internal thing. And if we want to teach the people we care about, our children or, or, or coworkers or friends, um, the best way we can do that is via example or, or them observing it in us. I don't, my daughter is almost nine. I can tell her things till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> she would, what she tends to pick up on is what she sees, the yeah. example that we set. And so it's really important, um, you know, first, if you don't feel especially confident, that doesn't mean you're not going to raise confident kids. And just because you are confident doesn't mean you'll, so it, it, you know, it's not a, a, as easy or as simple as that. But I, I think the best place to start is within yourself. Okay, so how do we do this? Um, the first thing is to understand what confidence actually is. And I'm going to geek out on you for a second, but yeah, please. I want to go to the etymology of the word confidence, the root of the word. The root of the word confidence is trust, firm, bold trust. So to be confident is to firmly and boldly trust yourself. That's it. Like that is the simplest way to think about confidence. So if I run everything. I, I go through, uh, as it relates to confidence, through that lens. Is this helping me trust myself more or trust myself less? Does this impact how I trust myself or how much I trust myself? If the answer is no, it doesn't impact, then this is not about confidence. That doesn't make it bad or wrong. It's just not confidence. So I'll give the example of, um, you know, getting dressed up to the nines, Right. I, I um, might put on the, the best outfit, do my hair, do my makeup. And, and because we've been conned the bulk of our lives, I might stand there and go, gosh, I feel really confident right now. Is how I'm dressed or my makeup or my hair impacting my trust in myself? 
if the answer is yes, somehow, and I, I have yet to figure out how it would, but if it did, then it would be confidence building. But what I actually think I mean in that moment is I feel attractive or I feel um, valued because I put time and energy into myself or I feel hot or I feel whatever, fill in the blanks. None of those things are bad. It's wonderful to feel attractive. It's wonderful to get dressed up and, and if, if that's what you choose to do. But we have convoluted confidence so much into how we look and so much into how we feel that we've forgotten what it is entirely. And it's, it's about trusting yourself. Now, here's an interesting thing too. A lot of times, because we equate confidence with feeling good, we forget that real, true, lasting confidence is mostly built during the tough times. Why? Because it's easy to trust ourselves when everything's going well, right? When everything's going according to plan and everything works out the way that's supposed to and, and, and you do everything the way... That is really easy time to trust ourselves where the rubber meets the road and the real magic happens is during the moments where we're feeling fear or doubt or have experienced failure or made a mistake. Those are the times where it may not be as easy of a choice to trust ourselves, but that's where it's the most important. And trusting ourselves doesn't necessarily mean that we know exactly what to do or exactly what to say, or that, you know, we just trust that we will be okay. We will figure it out. We will come out on the other side better. We trust ourselves to take the risk, to say the thing. And, and I think that that's, you know, the real distinction um, that's important. I could go on for days and I'm happy to <laughs> share more about the how-to of confidence building. But I think the real thing that I would want everybody to take away is what confidence is, trust, right? And um, that it's something you can choose anytime you want. We can choose to trust ourselves anytime in any moment for any reason. I think sometimes we think confidence is, is a feeling, right? Like right. I woke up feeling confident so I can go do the thing or I woke up not feeling confident so I can't. No, confidence is a choice we get to make anytime we want. Um, you've, I'm sure, heard the expression "fake it till you make it." Right. I say, choose it till you become it. Mm, choose like confidence, minute by minute, second by second, whatever it takes, until the feeling arrives, and it will. It will catch up eventually. But confidence is first and foremost a choice, which I believe is good news because that means we can build it, we can choose it, we can access it. Yeah, we don't have we to want. feel, we don't have to feel like, oh, that, that wasn't something I was designed with. That wasn't, that's just something I'm incapable of. Um, I love that because then it removes that from the equation entirely. Um, something that yeah. you've, you've brought up a couple of times is confidence con. And I know that's, that's a term that you use. So share a little bit about the confidence con. It's, it's really, you know, the lie that we've all been told and, and unfortunately bought into because it's everywhere. The lie that, that confidence is anything other than what it is. Um, it's actually really ironic if you think about the term a con, like when somebody runs a con on somebody or a con man or uh, a con game, it's all short for confidence because hmm. what it's about is trust. Right. So if you're a con artist, as an example, what you're doing is is creating a situation or environment in which you get people to trust you. Um, 
Interesting. So it was a little bit of a play on words, but it really was this idea that um, we are being conned about our confidence. We, so many of us believe that confidence is something we build or acquire through external sources. Like if I get the promotion or if I make this certain level of Mm -hmm. income, or if I've perfectly behaved children, or if I fit into this size, or if I get this compliment or whatever the case may be, I get this many likes on social media. If any of those things happen, let's call those things X. If X happens, then I'll feel confident. Right. And the con is, is it has us running around like some weird game of where's Waldo thinking someone or something out there is running around with our confidence and we just need to find it and get it. Mm, So true. And that's the con because confidence is trust and trust is built internally. Yes. It feels good to get validation. Yes. It feels good to get a compliment. Yes. It feels good to feel attractive or or whatever. So I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm just saying they're not confidence. And what are things that, that women can do to build that confidence and what might they be doing unknowingly that's kind of derailing that? Oh, great question. Um, so I've identified, uh, five confidence builders and five confidence, I call them derailers. If you look that up, it's not an actual word, but these are the (laughs) things that knock us off course from our confidence. Um, so, uh, I, I know we probably won't have time to go into all 10 of those, but let me just give you the quick rundown. Um, the five confidence derailers and these impact women at a higher level than their male counterparts, but these are impacting any gender. Um, so perfectionism, Mm. this belief that we need to do it all, have it all, be it all and look good while doing it. Right. Yeah. So perfectionism, head trash, the voice inside our minds that say things to ourselves about ourselves that are never kind and very rarely true. I think of it as stuff I would never say to somebody I love. Um, judgment and comparison. So comparing ourselves to others, judging ourselves, judging others, um, really easy to do in today's day and age with social media. Um, we can fall into that trap very quickly. Overthinking. So, uh, basically thinking isn't a problem, overthinking, over-processing, over-ruminating because overthinking leads to inaction, inaction leads to regret. And then, um, the fifth one is seeking confidence externally, which I sort of talked about already, but, but that if X happens, then I'll feel confident mindset that, that ultimately does damage because it creates a situation where we almost become addicted to the thing, right? So we get a compliment and it makes us feel good. And we think that that's, what's giving us confidence. Then, then we become like obsessed, right? Like a junkie for compliments. Um, And that works, whatever your ex is. So those are the five confidence drillers. Let me just pause. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, I think probably everyone listening can check the box on every one of those, that it's something we have to be vigilant and aware of to fight all of those every day because each one that you mentioned is going to pop up at various times in the day, probably on repeat every day. And probably half the time, we're not even aware that it's happening. Yeah. So I love that. So- well, I've yet to interact with a woman who's like, yep, none of those, none of those affect me at all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Most of right. them it's like on a daily basis. Yeah. Right. Um, 
I have noticed that we do all seem to have one or two that are like our go-tos. Like we default to that really quickly. For me, I'm a perfectionist overthinker. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two, you know, do damage. And um, the confidence builders are antidotes to all of those derailers. So uh, they're helpful all the time, anyway, and however you use them. But if you have one of the derailers that impacts you the most, there might be one of the builders that you would want to double down on. Okay. So uh, what are some builders? of those? Yeah. What are some of the builders that you recommend for women? Yeah. So probably the biggest confidence builder is action. Mm. Action builds confidence. You can't think, hope, fingers and toes cross your way into confidence. You get into action towards it. So action builds confidence. Um, if you're an overthinker, as an example, action would be your number one go-to antidote. Put one foot in front of the other, get into small action, little risks, whatever it takes. Um, little risks built up over time lead to big confidence. And so many of us, especially as women, are waiting to be ready before we'll get into action. And that's just not how it works. So mm-hmm. action um, is the number one confidence builder. The second one will surprise most people, um, failure. Failure mm-hmm. builds confidence if you choose it, if you if you let it. Because failure is a neutral event. I know it doesn't feel neutral when we're going through it, but we all could perceive the same event differently. So what I see is a big failure somebody else could think was small potatoes. I remember hearing somebody speak and they were sharing how they started the year at a $300,000 income deficit. And I was like, (laughs) I would put me in the fetal position on the floor. Right. Yeah. And the person speaking was like, it was no big deal. So it's all relative and we all, you know, perceive things differently. So if we accept that failure is a neutral event and we're the ones bringing meaning to it, then we have the opportunity to bring a more productive, more empowered meaning. This is a lesson, a learning opportunity, a gift. Uh, There's so many ways to see an event. And so failure actually builds confidence. We know this because no confident person or no successful person has ever not experienced failure. In fact, they typically experience it more often and in bigger doses. Um, such a great way to frame it. And, and I feel like any, you know, from people who read biographies, you look at Walt Disney, you look at, you know, I can't think of his name at the moment, the guy who started Starbucks, you look at Babe Ruth, you know, you look at any industry and it's like, they will talk about their failures more than anything that drove them on. Um, anything that was invented, it's because they failed at it so many times. So that is such a great way to, to stop that spiral, I think, in our heads of, I blew it, I can't do this, why do I bother? And then kind of shut off from that. It is neutral, It's it doesn't have to be as defeating. That's our choice. That's so. the choice. And, and, and everything, it just takes practice. Um, and I'm not saying I enjoy my failures now, I don't, they still <laughs> suck, right? But I can, really help get myself to a more productive, more empowered perspective. And I can hold on to the fact that this is going to build my trust in myself and and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, For any of you perfectionists, 
failure is the antidote, right? We got to get out there and make mistakes and get a little messy. Um, the next confidence builder is choosing confidence. And we talked about this a little bit before, but knowing that it's a choice that's available to us and that's the antidote to judgment and comparison. So when you find yourself in the trap of like, oh, this person's so much further along than I am, or this person has perfectly behaved children, that's the moment we get to choose to trust ourselves. I trust that I am the right mom for this child because this child came through me. It could be no other way. So I'm going to trust that I'm the right person for this child in this moment and not compare or, or what, what have you. Um, um, okay. The fourth confidence builder is giving yourself grace on the journey. Mm. Uh, that is the antidote um, uh, to head trash, that inner critic. Um, and, and I think of it just as being kind to ourselves, speaking to ourselves the way we would someone we love, because shouldn't we first and foremost be somebody that we love? Um, it, it, this is a simple, this could be mantras, affirmations. I have a really simple one. When I find my brain going into beat up mode and I'm saying not very nice things about myself to myself, I just take a deep breath and say, gentle, gentle, mm. gentle over and over. It's just my reminder to stop the noise yeah. and be kind to myself and be gentle in the same way I would somebody I love. That doesn't mean it's all sunshine and rainbows. That doesn't mean I don't challenge myself or, or that I, there might not be a truth that I need to face, but I can do it with love and kindness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Facing truth with a, through a different lens. Yes. Yeah. We have all these different voices in our, in our brain and head trash is the bully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We should really never listen to the bully. They're a-holes. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and then the last confidence builder is building it internally, which is the antidote to seeking it externally. Um, this is, there's so many ways to do this. What I would encourage you to think about build with and trust with others and how they build trust. Therein lies some of the answers of how you build trust with yourself. So some examples, keeping the commitments you make not over committing. We have a tendency to do that as women. So sometimes our problem isn't the keeping of the commitments is that we're making commitments we really shouldn't be making in the first place. Uh, Creating and communicating boundaries, uh, practice, planning, preparation, but not over, uh, being your own hype person, uh, standing up for yourself. There are so many things that we can do that build trust inside ourselves um, and I, 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 I think a list of 10 in my book, but those are just some ideas, but I would just go back to, you know, trust building is a personal thing. What works for me may not work for somebody else, or there might be something that works differently. I think there are probably a few things that are universal, but for the most part, it's got to feel right to you. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't, I mean, it sounds like when you're saying things like, just repeating the word gentle. This doesn't need to be again, overly thought out. It doesn't have to be the end all be all. It can be a single word that just reminds your brain. Oh, right. I'm in that headspace that is not serving me. I need to fix that now. And it can be one word that fast. So I love that. And, and something that I can see you are 
practicing what you preach and putting yourself out there to be active is you have a new book coming out. And um, so I'd love for you to share just a little bit about that when women can get their hands on that if they want to dive more into this subject. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. It is literally me putting to practice everything I learned about confidence because the perfectionist in me is like, it's not ready, right? You know, Mm -hmm. let me go through it for the 17th time. Um, the overthinker in me had me do it later than I probably should have, you know, I wasn't ready. And, um, so there's all these things that, um, the judgment and comparison is seeing other people launching their books and like how I'm doing it. And of course, all the fear of failure. What if nobody buys it? What if nobody likes it? What if, you know, all the things, right. Yeah. And so this has just been, um, uh, me taking my putting into practice, what I share in the book. The book is called Validation is for Parking. The subtitle is How Women Beat the Confidence Con. Um, So uh, I go through each of the derailers and the builders, reframe what confidence is, what what it isn't, um, tangible, tactical exercises. Uh, I love when people like give me step-by-steps or ideas. Um, I'm not the best creative, you know, solution problem solver. Um, but if you give me some action steps, then I'm, I have something I can do and that makes me feel good. So I, I wanted to put that in the book. Um, happy to share anything about that or answer any questions, but yeah. it is coming out October 4th. Great. Great. And, um, where all is that going to be available? Yeah. So, um, online like Barnes and Noble, Amazon, you know, all of that. One of the interesting things in doing this is I thought like as an author, the best thing you could want was to be in bookstores and in learning from the inside, I was like, Oh gosh, this really isn't as cool or doesn't Mm. make as much sense as I thought it would. So, um, mostly online, a few local bookstores, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. So tell us just a little bit, um, before we wrap up, I would just love to know, because I know so many people listening that's on their list as well. And it does feel daunting. It feels like an enormous mountain to climb. So can you just share a little behind the scenes about your journey? Like how you finally got to the point of saying, that's it. This is the time I'm just going to go for it no matter what. And like, how has that process kind of developed to get you to pretty, pretty close to the finish line right now? Yeah. Um, you're exactly right. It it is a big mountain to climb and it feels like a big mountain Mm -hmm. to climb. And I'm so glad that you said that because I often say, you know, when talking about action, how do you climb a mountain? How do you climb Mount Everest? Because when you're standing at the bottom, looking up, I would imagine it is daunting, right? It's so overwhelming. You're thinking, I'm never going to make it. How does this even happen? And that's the same thing when you think about something like writing a book, but the answer is the same. How do you climb a mountain? How do you write a book? One foot in front of the other, one step at a time, one action step at a time. Um, Now, having said that, I'll be transparent in that I probably should have written this book like eight years ago. It's been on my bucket list for as long as I can remember. I had all the reasons and all the excuses in the world. Um, Some of them were valid than others, right? Like it's not a good time to write a book the year I started my business or the year I had my daughter. There are people who do it. So it's not, you know, a a, a deal breaker, but it, it, you know, 
but I also use really ridiculous excuses. Like I have so much respect for books and authors. I really want to make sure I'm ready. And like, what does that even mean? I don't know. But that's something um, a lot of people say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm an avid reader, so I meant it, but what I was real, it was, it, it was a way that sounded good for me to delay something I really knew I wanted to do. Um, for me, I had to talk to several authors and just find out their experience, what they liked, what they didn't, and really get some insight into like, do I go self-publishing? Do I try mm -hmm. to find a publisher? Do I look at one of these more hybrid models? And so for me, it looked like the hybrid model and I hired a writing partner because I mm -hmm. wanted somebody who had done this before and some accountability because I knew if it was like, oh, I'm going to write a chapter this month, um, I would find 1 million reasons not to. Sure. So, you know, for me, it was just getting the right things in place along the way, but all of that stemmed from having the courage to put it out there that I was going to write a book and, and reaching out to authors and, and doing a little fact finding and finding out, you know, from there. And is the case in so many, for so many of us, one conversation leads to the next person, the next person leads to the next opportunity. And it just, um, it came together, not all been easy. Some of the things I thought would be really hard have been much easier. Like the actual writing in the book wasn't hmm. that hard. Editing was a challenge. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, um, marketing and promotion is really hard for me. I am like a diehard introvert homebody. So the, you know, going into marketing and promotion is, uh, maybe a little more daunting for me than, than some others, but. What was the biggest surprise to you about the journey? Um, the biggest surprise was realizing that I already had the book mostly written mm -hmm. before I started writing. You know, this is something I was already coaching and speaking about and, you know, doing in my own life. And I'd been researching and reading and observing. And um, when I started writing, I, I realized, I mean, truly, there's 10 chapters in the book, I would say six of them were for sure, like written wow. in my mind. Two of them were pretty easy to figure out. And then two of them were challenging. But what is a tip you would give to women who um, are maybe hesitant, but want to want to get into this? Um, well, I, yeah, make a list of authors or people who published a book in any way, at, at any level of success and start talking to them. And, and I think just the excitement of the conversation and the learning, it will get you closer and closer. And, and then I would add, we need you to write your books. We need you yeah. to tell your stories as it stands. As of last year, the last time I checked 92% of business books are written by men really? and the vast majority of leaders in organizations are men. We are mm -hmm. learning so much about how to be in business, how to be professional, how to operate as a business owner from the masculine perspective. Mm -hmm. There is a ton to learn there. But there is so much to learn from the feminine perspective, and we are not getting it. Women or men or any gender, we're not hearing enough from the feminine perspective of, of being in business. 
being professional being, and we need it desperately. So um, there's a great deal of demand. Yeah. And any final tips that you would have um, just uh, for women who are listening about gaining confidence? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I would say think about which derailleur impacts you the most and then, you know, focus maybe on the antidote to that. And, and this is again, so if perfectionism is your derailleur, you're going to think there's a perfect way to build confidence. Let that go. Focus on giving yourself grace on the journey, understanding there's no destination. None of us arrive at confidence, plants a flag and like, we're done, right? <laughs> like it is an ongoing thing and it's going to require a great deal of love, patience, and, and ultimately trust in ourselves. Um, and, you know, as we do so well as women, don't, don't go it alone. Call a friend, call a sister, call a coworker and, and get that support system in place. Um, I think sometimes it's easier to see something from the outside looking in than it is when you're in it Absolutely. And, and having that support system can be helpful. At least it has been for me. Yes. Love it. Nicole Khalil, her book, Validation is for Parking, How Women Can Beat the Confidence Con. Definitely check that out October 4th and check out her podcast, This is Women's Work. And Nicole, how else can, can people connect with you? Yeah, the best place to go is my website. So Nicole everything on there. Um, at the time of this recording, I don't have the exact link yet. So just go to my website. And I'm sure it will be blasted everywhere uh, and make it easy for you to find. Thank you so much. And we'll have all that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming on today and just inspiring my audience. Thank you for having me, Christy. And thank you for your great work. Oh, thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO, and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at